Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on how Buffy has matured since its premiere in 1997. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Never kill a boy on the first date. (laughs) I love this title. This is a good title. Season one, episode five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I like this title a lot. I I think it tells us what we're about to get into perhaps so (laughs) buffy is in the cemetery beating the shit out of a vampire (laughs) love to see it the fighting has improved do you think absolutely and in addition to beating the shit out of him she deploys a catchphrase which is (laughs) she says you must be new in town i'm buffy and you're history (laughs) and then she stakes him yep and I'm really glad that the catchphrase um, phase of Buffy did not stick. I think that would have been a little bit too much for me to handle. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I do love a good catchphrase, but you're right. Like this show, for, this is episode five. Like the show has proven to be quite cheesy so far. We don't need <laughs> such a catchphrase right away. Uh, Giles pops up. He's there He's ge- and he's reviewing her. He's basically given her a breakdown of what she did. Uh, It's almost as if he were watching her. Yeah, exactly. This is the first time we're seeing him watch as a watcher. And uh, he does note that she's spending too much energy on this vampire. Like she should, he says it should just be like, boom, bang. Like she, like uh, penetrate. What does he say? Insert. He doesn't say penetrate. (laughs) (laughs) He says something like Um, that. But I, I mean, you just kind of like stepped onto my joke of just like every man, right? (laughs) In just and quick out. and done. Right? In and out. No no catchphrases, just in and out. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And uh, that's when he notices a ring on the ground. And uh, they pick it up and they're examining it. And they know, like, we know automatically that something's up. Because when do these vampires ever carry around jewelry? This is something new. Cut to the master. Remember the master? He's back, baby. And not only is the master back, but so is his evil exposition. I missed this. <laughs> Yeah, I missed you, buddy. How have you been? Yeah, we've missed this. Uh, he's in here. He is reading straight out of a prophecy. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's telling us that the anointed one who will lead the slayer Ooh. into hell is going to rise. He says there's that five will die, and from their ashes, the anointed one will live. The brethren of Aurelius will greet him and usher him to his immortal destiny. But then he also says... That uh, one of the one of the brethren would go out hunting the night before and die because he couldn't wait to feed. Uh, so I we're don't getting... feel like that was in the prophecy. I think he was just extemporizing there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think basically they're just laying down the framework of what's going to happen this episode. Looks like five people are going to die, and an anointed one will be chosen. And this is all so that uh, the master can stop the slayer and escape his magic prison. Opening credits. Dun, dun, dun. In the library the next morning, we should <laughs> we should 
keep a track of every time I say in the library the next morning because I feel like every we could we could library. make it a drinking game, right? Every time <laughs> Steph says in the library, listeners take a drink of your favorite beverage. Yeah, drink whatever you're drinking. Uh, Buffy and Giles are discussing the ring, and the ring has a sun and three stars in the middle. Uh, they figure out that it means the order of Aurelius, so. They're not too far behind on the master's plan. They're they're getting to it. Well, I want to add, right? Like, they're initially looking on the outside of the ring. And Giles is like, oh, I can't figure out what this symbol is. And then Buffy looks on the inside of the ring, which has the, the, the moon and the three stars. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what about this? And Giles initially poo-poos her and is like, oh, I don't think that means anything. And like five seconds later, she's pointing to where the symbol is in this book, being like, oh, it's the Order of Aurelius. And it's like, Wonderful. damn, girl. <laughs> Buffy's a lot smarter this rewatch than I remember her being. That's a good thing. Yeah, like I always saw Buffy as really smart, but I just I'm enjoying these little moments where they remind you she's smart and where they subvert those expectations of shallow blonde teenager versus intelligent British librarian. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, a boy named Owen walks in, and we should definitely drink every time we hear name owen because they say it i remembered his name when he walked in i gasped and i'm like owen it's owen you know i didn't remember that owen was from this episode i just remembered owen yes yeah Yeah. so he he's a cute boy he's a very cute tall boy uh he walks in buffy obviously is interested in right away she's the one who's like owen (laughs) she says that many times throughout the episode and he's looking for a book Emily Dickinson and uh, Giles actually has to act like a librarian for once. And he says Emily Dickinson, Owen says Emily Dickinson is like his security blanket. So we automatically know that he's a very sensitive guy. He reads poetry and that's why Buffy is kind of goo goo gaga over him because she's babbling. She's acting like a complete dork. She's following him around the library. Giles is checking him out. Uh, checking him out. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> Giles checks the book out for him and says that Emily Dickinson is a good poet for an American, which is funny because Buffy's like, for a woman? He's like, for an American. <laughs> <laughs> And Owen says, hey, Buffy, I'll see you in math if I if I can, uh, if I ever open my eyes at some point. Ha ha ha. And Giles looks at him like he rolls his eyes so hard at this point <laughs> that it's really funny to me. Um, Buffy is really concerned with this situation that just happened. Owen, Emily Dickinson, she's like, I need one of those books. Giles gives her some snark. And he's like, you know, the day that you actually want to check out a book is grounds for a national holiday. But really, we need to be refocusing on this Order of Aurelius, this ring that we found. And she agrees with him. But then she says, does this outfit make me look fat? The classic, you know, girly question to ask. Giles is so not ready for hormonal teenagers. Like, he's just poor Giles. I also (laughs) would like to add, this is completely off topic, but... Emily Dickinson is great and much maligned, unfortunately, because after she died, um, it was her, I want to say her brother-in-law, I don't know, somebody will correct me, who kind of like, or sister-in-law or something, kind of like went through her papers and her poems and like edited them to tone out like the sapphic influences um, and then published like clean versions of her poetry. So there's this TV series on Apple TV called Dickinson starring Mm -hmm. uh, Haley Steinfeld who I adore. And 
I'm so like upset it's on Apple TV because I don't have Apple TV, so I haven't got to watch it yet. I'm gonna have to find a way to watch it. Um, but I just want to throw that out there for anybody who has Apple TV, give Dickinson a try. It, it's taking, it's like a comedy series, and it kind of like tells the story of Emily Dickinson's life as it should be told. Is uh that show is Dickinson our new sponsor? <laughs> I hope podcast. so. Sp- sponsor me and let me watch your TV show, even though I don't have Apple TV. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so Buffy is into Owen. Uh, in the cafeteria, Willow and Buffy are gushing about Owen. Owen, Owen, Owen. Uh, Willow is being a really cute and supportive friend and confirming once again why we need more women on the show. Because it's just nice for Buffy and Willow to be talking about girl stuff and not being told what to do by all these men. They're joined by Xander who says very loudly, loudly, like, how's the slaying going? And then he turns it into a weird sex joke, like, oh, I mean, the laying. <laughs> Which is it's, funny, yeah. but it's also tracks for Xander. We're back to me totally not feeling Xander here, right? Like, I know in the previous episode, I was a little bit sympathetic. I was defending him a little bit. That Kara's gone, and the Kara, who is very critical of Xander's, completely back. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the Steph, who's very critical of Xander, never left. <laughs> Still here. <laughs> but you know what's funny about Xander is, like, once again, I, I said it before, I-, I do, because I liked him so much in my past, that I still am holding out. I'm, like, waiting for old Xander, the way I felt about him, to come back. But, I mean, it's not right now. So we will give Xander some slack here, because Buffy does chastise him for talking loudly about her Slayer-ness. But at the same time, Buffy is literally the worst person ever to keep her Slayer a secret, her Slayer identity a secret. And um, she starts telling them about this new vampire situation that they got going on. And Xander takes that opportunity to make fun of Owen, who was basically just reading at his table. He's eating lunch and he's reading Emily Dickinson. So he makes fun of him, but then Buffy sees he's sitting alone, so she gets up to go join him. Xander obviously gets upset by this. And as she's walking over there, we see Cordelia. And Cordelia is like, oh, an empty seat! And basically knocks Buffy over to sit down with Owen. So we know automatically that Owen's like a hot deal at the school. Like, he's like hot shit. Like, all the girls, the prettiest girls are after this guy. Owen gets up and helps Buffy pick up what she dropped. And Buffy says, oh, Cordelia's hips are wider than I thought. And... (laughs) Good joke, Buffy, and I will say that, you know, Cordelia, like you said in the first episode, Cordelia is meant to be Buffy's foil. Like, Buffy um, Mm -hmm. and Cordelia are going to be at odds for a lot of reasons, but I don't like this. I think it's a little bit problematic, A, because I hate fat shaming. Not that Cordelia is fat in any way, but just Mm -hmm. the the insinuation that girls have to go for the looks to insult is one thing, but I I just think that Buffy being rude to Cordelia is not a Buffy hero thing to do. Like, I'd rather Buffy be a little bit more noble, a little bit more like, you know, I I let it slide. I I don't know if I agree with that. I totally, totally agree. No, fat shaming is bad. I agree with that part. But I think this is Buffy is flawed, right? Like, good heroes are flawed. And Buffy has this petty streak to her. But this is the thing, right? Is it's not just anybody. Cordelia brings out the pettiness in Buffy. That's what we're seeing. But I think this, fat shaming aside, this scene is actually just very sweet because Owen is so completely oblivious to Cordy's attraction to him. He Mm -hmm. only has eyes for Buffy. 
Yes, yes. And even when Cordelia invites Owen to the bronze with her that night, he's like, well, who else is going? And she's like, well, I'm there, <laughs> basically. And she's like, I'm going to be there. And um, who else do you need besides me, essentially? And uh, he straight up just says, Buffy, meet me there at eight. Like, it's obviously showing his his preference for Buffy um, in front of Cordelia. Yeah. And um, Buffy looks elated by this, obviously. And she puts her tray on Cordy's tray while she's looking at Owen, which I thought was a really funny little little moment of physical comedy. So, yeah, but I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I don't like it, but I understand that Buffy, you know, she is a kinder ruler than Cordelia. So I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide, Buffy. <laughs> Buffy and Willow are obviously really excited about this date and they're, they go and talk to Giles in the library who says that it's basically finds out about this very violent prophecy that the master had talked about earlier. He and the master clearly have copies of the same books. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, and Giles says it will be tonight, which clashes with Buffy's date plans. And Buffy Ugh. is obviously distressed at this and Giles is really displeased with her obviously because he's he gets really sarcastic with her he's like well you know why don't I just go back in time and tell them to like stop the clock for this prophecy so that you can take in dinner and a show like he so does much whole chirping thing. between Buffy and Giles yeah and Buffy says okay you're abusing sarcasm now and it's yeah. a cute scene um but basically this is what I love about this show and it's this line here where Giles get it, the the music intensifies it zooms in on Giles his face and he says very intensely that the dark forces are aligning and they have a chance to beat them back and tonight we'll go into battle and it's like almost like dun, dun, dun. the next scene that follows immediately after is Buffy and Giles in the cemetery at night looking so bored <laughs> like they're obviously waiting for something to happen and um, they've been waiting there a long time and that dramatic build up was for nothing and Giles says, oh, well, maybe I miscalculated. And uh, he agrees to let Buffy go off to the bronze to meet up with Owen. And he was so sure that it was going to be tonight. He does take a moment to warn Buffy that, you know, getting involved with somebody who doesn't know about her Slayer identity can put that person in grave danger. Buffy ignores this, obviously, and goes off. And um, Giles, actually, Giles shows a lot of fatherly attention he gives Buffy a lot of fatherly attention to me in this episode. And we can get more into that later. Agreed. Little do they know, probably on the other side of town, an airport shuttle bus is driving in Sunnydale. And it's got five people in it. The bus driver, two women, a boy, and this crazy man who is quoting what sounds like scripture. And he looks like really scary. Buffy is going into the bronze, but she sees Owen dancing with Cordelia. And Cordy's really into it, but Owen just appears just to be dancing. Buffy gets upset and she leaves. So we see this guy on the bus and he's he's preaching and he's scaring the other bus mates. And uh, I would be really uncomfortable if I was this woman, especially if I had my son. Mm -hmm. And the driver turns around, tells him to sit down. And when he turns back and looks at the road, there's a vampire standing in the middle of the, of the street. So he veers off. He crashes the bus into a post. Um, everyone's shook up. The bus driver's bleeding. He goes outside to check on the person that was in the middle of the street. And the vampire grabs him and bites him. And then another vampire attacks the guy in the bus, bites him. And then more vampires come. And we just know that that, that everybody in that bus is toast. It's the five who die, right? It is the five. Well, I mean, we counted them. There's five people. So this is probably 
what the prophecy was saying. So, Oh no, Giles wasn't wrong. <laughs> Giles, you weren't wrong. You're just in the wrong spot. Next day at school, Xander and Buffy are talking about the night before and Buffy's kind of freaking out. And for once, for once, Xander's listening to her and he does like hear her out and he's like, oh, don't you think you're acting overly, which is true. Uh, He does bring it back to him at one point saying like, you know, you could have any guy in school and he's insinuating like me, (laughs) like you could have me. Uh, But then Owen approaches And Buffy gives a really bad excuse as to why she didn't show up. She says, like, her watch broke and she doesn't have any clocks at home. And Owen is actually really sweet about it. Like, I think he handles this really, really nicely where he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I have trouble telling time, too. And he says, let's try again tonight. He gives her his watch and his watch is this, like, really nice gold. I don't know watches, but it's it looks like a nice one. And we cut to, for whatever reason, we look at Xander. Xander looks at his watch and it's a Looney Tunes watch. (laughs) So this is just a little nod again to how Xander is trying to transition from being this like dorky boy to being a man, a man that Buffy sees as a man. (laughs) And it's just not the case. Like Owen's here being all suave, like forgiving her for standing him up. And here's my watch and I'll see you tonight. And Xander's got this like Looney Tunes little boy uh, shtick that he needs to break out of. And I, I hope by, you know, the end of the season, by the end of the series... I hope we see him break out of this insecure boy situation that he's got himself into. Um, Buffy does ask Owen briefly about Cordelia. And she says that she heard that they were dancing together. (laughs) Owen says that Cordelia is very grabby, which is (laughs) a really good way to describe her character. So Owen is, is no angel to me, but this is a cute interaction. I think he's, he's a cute guy and he's, he seems like a nice person. I will say that Xander looks really sad by this conversation because Buffy walks away completely in love, just being like, oh, that was Owen. Is the audience supposed to be rooting for Xander? No, we're we're rooting for Buffy. We're rooting for Buffy, yeah. Because I just think like, wait, like, like Xander is so sad. He's been trying now for five episodes to get Buffy's attention. It's not happening. Are we supposed to root for him in some way, you know? I, I think, again... There is undue weight placed on Xander's perspective, and I think part of that is maybe that Xander is a bit of a self-insert character for Joss Whedon, and so I agree with you. I think that on one level, Joss Whedon is trying to get parts of the audience identifying with Xander, but my answer to you, my perspective, is that at the end of the day, we are always rooting for Buffy, and we want Buffy to be happy with you know however she can be, and right now... Buffy thinks Owen's going to make her happy. So if Buffy yes. wants Owen, I want Buffy to have Owen. Yeah. And Buffy, because she's so happy, she needs to check in with Giles really quickly to confirm that nothing is going on that night. Her Slayer duties are free. And uh, <laughs> as she walks away, Giles is like, she is the strangest girl. And I feel like we hear that also like two or three times this episode. I love the structure of this episode. You know, the way that they fake us out the first night Buffy gets a second chance now at a date. And of course, that's when the vampire plot actually heats up. Yeah, the structure of this episode is flowing in a way that I like a lot more than Teacher's Pet episode four. (laughs) So we're back in the cave with the master and he's pleased with what happened the night before. And he says that uh, to the brethren to kill the slayer but do not fail to bring him the anointed one. So, so far his plan is working. Willow and Xander and Buffy are at her house. 
and it's nighttime and they're picking out her outfit that she's going to wear on her date. Buffy, once again, chooses between two personas when she's choosing her outfits, just like in the pilot. She's like, should I be shy, coy, and naive or unrestrained, <laughs> insatiable, and aggressive? And again, like slutty or virginal, like what can we choose, ladies? Like which one are you going to be? And I will note that both those dresses look exactly the same, just like a different type <laughs> of coloring. And Xander, of course, suggests that she cover up and she, he shows her a winter jacket and a ski cap. And Buffy, why are you still asking Xander for his opinion? But then she asks him what lipstick she should wear, red or peach. And if she had asked me, I would have said peach. Xander says, oh, for kissing you, then telling his friends how easy you are. And then the whole school will lose respect for you and everyone talks behind your back. And okay, you prick, like stop slut shaming her. If that happens, that's totally Owen's fault and not Buffy's. And this scene, it's clearly played for humor. Like we're supposed to laugh at Xander. And I think mm -hmm. in a different life I did, <laughs> you know? Yeah, when I was younger... Yes. You know, a lot of this went over my head, especially because I didn't have sexual or romantic experiences in high school. So I, I think a lot of the subtext here, like, obviously, I knew what they were talking about, but I just didn't pay as much attention to it. So it was easier for me to gloss over these very uncomfortable aspects of Xander's personality and see him as this more kind of heroic sidekick figure. So you're absolutely right. As I got older and a little more street smart, I started to see in subsequent rewatches all of this problematic shit with Xander. Well, and this episode, the scene is almost unbearable once it, once it finished because after yeah. Buffy chooses her lipstick, which is peach, she goes to change. And Xander's like, I don't mind. And obviously he gets shooed to the corner of the room. But then... He moves her jewelry box, which has a mirror in it. He adjusts it so that he can watch her change. I know. It's so creepy. I don't think I noticed that before. I think this was the first time I noticed that. Pervert. I would have kicked Xander out of the room. Like, why didn't you kick him out of the room entirely? Because he's your friend and you trust that he's just going to stare at the wall and wait for you to change respectfully. But then again, Xander's a pervert. And, and he's like, like, when I saw this... When I watched it two days ago, I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. That's disgusting. Yeah. And I know, like, like we're supposed to think it's all in good fun, but, like, it's not. And listeners, if you are a fan of Xander and you disagree with how we've been tearing him apart the last five episodes, explain this to us. <laughs> like, explain why this is, it could be considered just in good fun when it's clearly violating Buffy's boundaries. Like he's watching her change without her permission. There's no consent. There she doesn't even know he's doing it, so it's extra creepy that way. Like I just I don't know why once is it even the writers doing him dirty at this point or is it just like this no, character No, no. This is this is bad. The character is is unbearable here. I can't stand this. Thank God yep. the doorbell rings. And, and they go downstairs. It's Giles. It's not Owen yet. It's Giles. He points out that in the newspaper are five people who had died in a bus crash. And he's sure that this is the prophecy that they're waiting for. And that the one guy on the bus, the preacher guy, was a uh, being questioned by the police for a double murder. So those bodies are now at the Sunnydale funeral home. 
And that's when Owen shows up and Buffy like covers for why Giles is there and is like, okay, I'll return those books in the morning. (laughs) And Owen's like, wow, you really care about your work to Giles. And like, now I ask, how dumb is Owen? Like, is Owen, for someone who reads Emily Dickinson, you know? Yeah, throughout this episode, we're, we're supposed to be believe that Owen is a somewhat oblivious character. Which I think you could read it either way. You could read him as like, oh, he's this, you know, dumb blonde guy. Um, and that <laughs> makes him perfect dummy. for Buffy. Right? Yeah. yeah, he's a bit of, well, he's a bit of a puppy dog. Yeah. You know? And. Bit naive. Um, yeah. So you could see it that way. I also choose to see it as we're getting a look at what Buffy's interactions with people who know she's the Slayer, like Giles, look like. To your average person, right? Because Owen doesn't know anything about Giles and Buffy's relationship as Watcher and Slayer. All he knows is Giles is the librarian and Buffy is the student. So his brain is just trying to make sense of this. And that's, (laughs) it, it sounds funny and like a stretch to us what he says, but that's really the only thing he can conclude here, right? Yeah. Like... That's we're just we're just seeing the world for a moment through Owen's eyes and being reminded that stuff is really weird around Buffy. Yeah, and that Buffy is a chronic liar. Like she has to lie all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh so Xander and Willow pull Owen into the living room so that Buffy and Giles can really hash it out. And Xander takes this opportunity to say to tell Owen that Buffy doesn't like to be kissed, touched, or looked at. Xander, you're Loki dead to me at this point. Like, I think you're so gross. Uh, Buffy makes a really good point about mental health and says that a cranky slayer is a careless slayer. And <laughs> that made me laugh because I'm like, that's absolutely true. Like, if your head's not in the game, how are you going to save the world, you know? So Buffy's point is basically that she hasn't had time off in a while. Giles pushes her too hard. Uh, Giles does say like a normal life for a slayer, a social life for a slayer is problematic at best. And Buffy just wants to go on a date. She wants to go on a date with Owen. That's all she wants to do. Giles agrees because he's like, okay, I guess the five people dead on the night the prophecy said five people were going to die was a slim lead. (laughs) Like Giles, you're too soft. You're too soft. (laughs) I do agree with Buffy though. Like I'm fully behind Buffy on this. Buffy deserves a night off. Buffy deserves to go on a date with Owen. I'm, I'm all about it. Buffy, the anointed one can wait. Buffy will get to him when she gets to him. Okay. Take a (laughs) seat. All right, all right. So you're you're with you're with Buffy. Take your night. Go out with Owen. Uh, Buffy says a very iconic line. My favorite line of the episode is if the po- if the apocalypse comes, beat me. And that's my favorite, just because it's so nineties. It's just that's that's right in time. It reminds me of Kim Possible, my favorite Disney animated series. Yeah, because the theme song is "Call Me, Beat Me If You Want to Reach Me." <laughs> okay, <laughs> cute. <laughs> um giles says that he's gonna go to the funeral home just in case um he says this after buffy leaves with owen uh xander obviously wants to follow buffy and owen because we would expect nothing else from him but willow says no we need to follow giles because giles might need our help i will also add right here that the outfit that buffy ultimately chooses to wear for this date is very cute uh, and but I did think that maybe she should have gone with the outfit she wore to the bronze in the pilot, <laughs> the infamous interview outfit with. The, <laughs> with the, I really with like the, the, I like the jacket that she wore with this. It's really cute. 
Yeah. So she looks great. Great job, Buffy. Uh, no help from Xander. At the bronze, Buffy and Owen are talking. It looks like they're having a nice date. They're talking about Emily Dickinson. I guess that's the only subject that Owen knows. And they, <laughs> Owen kind of reveals that he's like emo inside. He's like a goth because he says he likes death and loss. <laughs> and um, he also says that he finds most girls frivolous because they're obsessed with dating. And that's a very strange thing to say to a girl who agreed to go on a date with you. So I mean, it's like he's he's almost nagging her, right? Yeah, a little bit. So, so much for being like a sweet, sensitive boy. Like, oh, he's just Buffy, like you're not like other girls. Most girls are so frivolous. You're not a frivolous girl, are you? No. And she, she proves that by pulling him onto the dance floor right then. And Owen says to her, like, I can't figure you out. It's so weird. It's like you're two people. And uh, <laughs> Cordelia enters with her clique at this point she sees them dancing and she says she walks over to them and is like oh oh and here you are like all alone (laughs) such a funny scene it's really funny and owen's so like you said earlier like oblivious that he's kind of just like cordelia i'm here with buffy (laughs) like (laughs) you like maybe you know before i called angel a beautiful blank slate but uh, that was unfair because Owen is a very beautiful blank slate. And um, <laughs> Buffy for Buffy basically is just like Cordelia, like, you know, you need to go kind of whatever. She says something, something. Go away. There. Basically just yeah. go away. Get the fuck out. And uh, Cordelia says, when you're ready for the big leagues, let me know and love her confidence. Wow. She walks off. Love it. Uh, we're at the funeral home. Giles, what a bad fucking call. Giles goes to this funeral home by himself. He gets to the front door and is immediately attacked by the by vampires. Like, what did he I'm think shocked. was going to happen? I Yeah, like, what? How could this be on the night that the five had died? Like, the night after when the anointed one will rise. So he holds them off with his cross, which is funny and runs inside we go we cut to the bronze really quickly owen and buffy are dancing still and buffy says she feels like a girl i wanted to point this out because buffy is getting her wish right now she's on her date Mm -hmm. in her life at the moment everything she's wanted is happening for her but we we know because we jump right back to her watcher who has now found his way into the embalming room i have a really hard time with this word is it embalming embalming yep okay you got it. <laughs> i always have trouble with this word and he's he's in mortal danger he's blocking the door he blocks it with a filing cabinet but there is no way out there's no other door good thing xander and willow appear at the window which is barred <laughs> this part's kind of campy they appear at the window and they're just like hey you okay <laughs> and he's like go get buffy and they're like hold tight and they go off to go get <laughs> buffy <laughs> yeah this is a little bit contrived but it's funny yeah it's cute it's, i like it it gets a pass at the bronze uh i also want to note that coming down the stairs is a girl who's wearing a white feather vest and has a green feather boa around her neck and this has nothing to do with the plot or the episode but i just had to like it caught my eye as the girl was walking by and I, you're jealous, right? You want that outfit? Je- she wore my outfit. <laughs> That's my my go-to bronze clubbing outfit. And uh, <laughs> Cordelia is watching Buffy with Owen. I think Buffy uh, Owen was like, oh, I'm going to go get you a snack or something. So Cordelia is watching their date from afar. And she's she says it's a disgusting display. <laughs> and um, 
She's essentially slut shaming Buffy too, kind of being like, "Oh, look at her throw herself at him, like all that stuff." When we all know that Cordelia did does that even harder than Buffy does. Um, that's when Angel walks in. Angel, yay! That's when Angel walks in, and uh, Cordelia sees him. I'm presuming for the first time ever because she's like, "Oh, salty goodness!" <laughs> I know. I cringed at that line. I'm just like, "What is going on here?" Kate. Okay. I never thought twice about that line other than that, like, well, classic Cordelia line. But it's very sexual. It totally is. And I never made that connection to, like, salty sperm. Like, I never made that connection until (sighs) this watching. And, like, gotta love being in your 30s, I guess. Because I was, unless everyone's always made that connection, I'm just really innocent. But I was like, ugh, like Cordelia. Um, uh, No, I never made that connection before because I was also super (laughs) innocent until uh, people like my best friend Rebecca corrupted me. But um, yeah, no. How did that slide by the censors is what I want to (laughs) know. I know. It's, yeah. And so, yeah, Cordelia is very much like, you know, she she sees Angel and it's like, Oh, Owen is forgotten, right? She now has a new target. Yes. And he goes right past her up to Buffy. And then her next line is perhaps the funniest line of the episode because she's like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Which (laughs) it's funny because once again, we're reminded that Cordelia is the center of her world. Like this TV series would look very different if it were told from Cordelia's point of view. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing is, like, it's a shame because Cordelia is the main character. She's the main character, but she's not treated (laughs) like the main character in this show. (laughs) Yep. Because it's Buffy's show. So she's in the wrong TV show. So maybe she'll find her own suit in the future. Who knows? So, yeah, Angel walks right up to Buffy um, saying that she should be out there. She should be out there in the night as the Slayer. And Buffy gets annoyed because she's like, well, I'm on a date. And Angel is upset by this. And frankly, Angel, you beautiful creature, you don't get to be angry because all you do is show up, give warnings. You don't give any practical information. You nag, mm-hmm. and then you fuck boy off and leave, you know? So. Right? <laughs> Buffy doesn't owe him anything. Yeah, and you also don't. now we're at two men telling Buffy how should she she should be spending her time, and how she is obligated to perform this unpaid labor for the betterment of society. Yep, <laughs> yep. But that's the thing too is I think like Angel knows Buffy knows we all know that they Angel and Buffy have a connection of some sort like they're attracted to each other, but that. Yeah, it just doesn't mean that Buffy's going to go along with everything Angel says. Uh, he is just another man trying to control what she does in her spare time. Well, and, and, you know, we see that when Owen shows up with, what is it, like a muffin? <laughs> I don't, Owen, no. <laughs> it's like, well, because she told him, go get me something as long as it's fatty and, or bad for me or something like that. And he comes back with like, I don't. it's like a muffin or something. Here's your brand muffin. <laughs> I know, like, well, it's like, what what bars or clubs sells that kind of food? Yeah, I'm surprised, I'm surprised the muffin wasn't wrapped in, like, saran wrap or something, like, you know, like, it's like a baked right? good you get at a bake sale. So, um, so Owen comes back, and yeah. we get to see Owen and Angel in the same shot, right? And, you know, Buffy introduces them, and it's I awkward. like how she's like, this is 
yeah, this is Owen, my date. You know, she kind of like digs that in there as like, I'm here with him. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I noticed, you know, Angel's like, hi. And Owen's like, hi, right? And it's this very guy thing of like, you just kind of acknowledge each other as tersely as possible. And then like, they kind of size each other up. Yeah, of course, because uh, Buffy's very clear, I'm here with this guy. And Owen sees this really handsome man talking to Buffy, and Buffy's really awkward when introducing them. So, like, I think anyone, even someone as dumb as Owen, could understand that there's some sort of connection here. They're not... The, the, Angel says they know each other from work, but that's clearly a lie. Uh, that's when Willow and, and Xander show up. And um, <laughs> they say they're there because they're together now and they want a double date. And what they should do on this double date is go to the Sunnydale funeral home. And it's like, it's very obvious that <laughs> that you have to go to the funeral home, Buffy. Like, leave this date. Something's happening at the funeral home. And Owen is like really into this idea. He's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we know that Bu Owen's interested in it because earlier earlier on this date, he mentioned that he's into death. <laughs> this is actually turning out to be very strange. So um, Buffy pulls Owen aside so that he, she can talk to him privately. But this the shot is done in such a way that we can see Angel in the background. He's basically standing right in the middle between the two while they're talking. And uh, we don't know if he can hear them, but I assume he can. And Buffy is basically saying, like, oh, and you know how you said that I'm two different people? Well, one of them has to go right now, but the other one really wants to stay and will come back for you. And she goes to leave. But as she leaves, she runs back and she kisses him. The angel's standing right there and watches it. She kisses Owen. She leaves. And Owen looks after her as Angel walks up to Owen. And he says, like, oh, she's the strangest girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time we've heard that tonight. So Willow, Xander, and Buffy go to the Sunnydale funeral home to look for Giles. And, oh my god, Owen followed them there. <laughs> and this is weird to me because, like, I don't know how Xander and Willow got to the funeral home. I assume they ran. So the whole time they were mm. running, Owen must have just been jogging quietly behind them. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a puppy dog, right? <laughs> True. You tell him to stay and he does it. He's just going to follow behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, anyway, he he's a big guy, but he somehow snuck up on them and, and followed them into the funeral home. And uh, he says he's there because he's super excited to see a dead body. And now I'm scared of him. Like, <laughs> Not only can he run incredibly quietly, but he wants to see dead people. And that's weird. <laughs> Buffy um, finds the embalming room. And the bars on the window are pried open. Like, it's, like, rough. Like, it's it's kind of crazy how, like, they're, like, those are, like, steel or iron bars and somebody opened mm -hmm. them. And this is when you might actually think that something bad happened to Giles because he's not there. And turns out he is there. Yay! He rolls out of the <laughs> cooler drawer on top of one of the dead bodies. And he's actually pretty chipper about it. He's like, oh, I hid. <laughs> Yeah, and like in a moment, right, we're going to see Buffy and Giles looking through all those drawers and it's like the rest of them are empty. So Giles just like happened to pick the one drawer that had the de a dead body in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I, I don't know how long it took for them to go get Buffy, but like how long has he been lying in there? Is he just waiting for like signs that Buffy came to rescue him? Anyway, 
it doesn't matter because Giles says um, he didn't know what the vampires were doing there, but the anointed one could still be in the funeral home. And Buffy mentions that Owen's with her and he's like shocked. He's like, I can't believe you brought Owen. And Buffy- So unprofessional. He's like, what the hell are you doing on the first day of work? Buffy tells Willow and Xander and Owen um, to go find a room and barricade themselves in. And they find a room that's called the observation room. But I think in any other in any other situation, that would be called the viewing room. <laughs> you know, like the observation room seems kind of weird. And um, Buffy basically tells them to barricade the door. And her and Giles, like you said, look through every drawer in that cooler to find who might be the anointed one. But they're all empty. And Willow and Xander are barricading the door with, like, lamps and stuff. And Owen Owen is investigating the observation room. And he opens a curtain. And we see that there is a body in there. And it starts to move. Turns out it's the preacher guy from the bus attack. And he is now a vampire. Could he be the anointed one? He starts, we like, we don't know. But he does start shouting, like, I have been judged. And, like, <laughs> breaks the glass at the observation room with his forehead. Um, Buffy and Giles hear this and they come running. <laughs> Willow and Xander and Owen are trying to undo the barricade that they put up. Buffy meets them in the hallway just as they're running outside. And we see that there are other vampires waiting outside the doors of the funeral home. So they can't run outside. They have to stay inside. Buffy goes back to the embalming room to meet up with Giles. She gets a steak. And this vampire kind of throws them both around the room first Buffy and then Giles Mm -hmm. and when Giles gets thrown he knocks into the control panel for the crematorium oven and uh Mm -hmm. before passing out yeah there's a lot of head trauma in this scene and I'm just worried that everybody came away from this with a concussion well yeah and also I worry because Giles is this like not your third concussion of the series in episode (laughs) five yeah good point (laughs) He keeps getting knocked out. <laughs> he does. He really does. <laughs> and then Owen, at this point, has decided to come to Buffy's rescue. And he runs in and he pushes the vampire off Buffy. And he hits the vampire with an urn over his head. And I feel bad for, like, whoever was in that urn. Because, <laughs> like, now you're all over the floor. And then the vampire comes from behind and hits Owen on the head with the crematory door. And he says, Dead. <laughs> and Buffy hears that and proceeds to kick his ass she does like a cartwheel into like a bunch of punches and she's like you killed my date and she's like freaking out and this is this is the shit just got real moment because up until now where's our bell yeah (laughs) up until now Buffy was just doing her job as the slayer now it's personal yeah she's like this this is like bullshit you killed my date all i wanted to do today was go on this fucking date and now he's dead but he's not dead yay owen starts waking up (laughs) he just got knocked out briefly and um, willow and xander notice this but they're just like let's just like let her think he's dead for a second because she (laughs) basically takes that vampire throws him into the cream into the oven and giles wakes up just in time to shut the door so that vampire is burnt alive and dead and um Buffy then notices that Owen is awake and she goes to help him. But Owen at this point is properly freaked out and says he wants to go home. Xander will say they'll take him home. And are we all just forgetting that there were vampires outside? Like Apparently. Maybe <laughs> they like ran away to go report to the master. I don't know. We never actually find that out. But we can just assume that as soon as they felt that the other vampire get burnt alive, they're just like, bye. So... 
Bakby's upset because Owen obviously doesn't want to be with her th- for the rest of the night. And Giles is kind of trying to give her some words of comfort, but she doesn't want to hear it. And he wisely says nothing. The next day at school, Buffy is talking about Owen to Xander and Willow. And she's like, you know, did he mention me on the way home? Was he talking? And Willow's being a good friend. And she's like, well, he was incoherent. And Buffy's upset because she actually really liked Owen. Owen, Owen, Owen. And again, Xander chooses this point. Uh, the point of which where Buffy is fragile and at her saddest to suggest that she dates someone who already knows her secret hint he's talking about himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a side note, there is a background song playing during this scene and it's very off-putting. It's very out of place. It's like a pop song. Yeah, it, they're trying to do that late 90s, early 2000s thing with TV shows, right? Where it's like sad music plays towards uh, during the coda. I mean, I guess they still do that nowadays, come to think of it, on some teenage shows. But I, I agree with you. It, it sticks out in this particular case because I don't think we... I don't think we get that in a ton of episodes. Well, it also, it doesn't land. It's just like, it's, yeah, it's, mm. it's just out of place. And maybe it's just, this just isn't the show for this. You know, it's a weird time yeah. to be playing this song. But oh, Owen comes. He he comes up to them and um, Xander and Willow peace out so that Buffy can talk to him. She thinks this, we all think this, that he's about to dump her. But then he actually asks if he can see her again. And, and Buffy is shook. And he says she's the coolest and last night made him feel alive, which I think in any other situation would be a really nice thing to say and, and like something that anyone would want to hear that like you make them feel alive. But Buffy is realizing that what he means is that he's an adrenaline junkie. And last night was like, oh, he almost died. And that's what gives him this rush of feeling alive. So mm-hmm. Buffy tells him she just wants to, to be friends. And he looks bummed, but understands. And he's, he like takes it nicely. He's just like, oh, yeah, sure, friends, so and then walks away. I, I do have a slightly different interpretation of this. Okay. So I see where you're coming from, where thinking like, oh, he's only, he's only in it for the adrenaline. And, and I kind of agree with that part. But I think the way he says that to Buffy, actually what happens is she realizes she can't keep seeing him. Because that would put him in danger, right? He's not the kind of potential boyfriend who would just stay home and stay out of trouble when she has to go off slaying. He'd be puppy dogging, following her, you know, messing up her groove. And she realizes for the good of being the slayer and for Owen's own good, I have to shut this down. And it's kind of a heartbreaking moment because it's like, you're into this guy. He's clearly into you. But you're sacrificing your happiness because of your role as the Slayer. And that follows into the next part where Owen walks away. Buffy's upset. And Giles was, well, watching, he was watching this in the background. And uh, he comes and sits with her. And he says, like, his father wanted him to be a watcher. And he fought against it. But his father had given him this speech about sacrificing responsibility. And I think Giles is, is actually being really nice to Buffy at this point. And, um... She says that, you know, Owen wants to be this dangerous man, but Buffy says that Owen would get himself killed in two days with her. So basically what you're saying Mm -hmm. there, too, it's like she knows this and she made the mature choice. And she kind of calls out Giles at this point and says, like, you know, you can't just go to this funeral home on your own. And she feels bad for not going with him. 
And Giles says that as the Slayer, Buffy is actually doing well. And there is no instruction manual for what they're doing, you know? I'm surprised there isn't, actually, to be honest. And we've come a long way from the first episode where Buffy's like, you can slay the vampires. And he's like, well, a watcher watches, a slayer slays, right? It's like, apparently that's out of the window now. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but that's the thing is like I we feel like we can see that Giles is genuinely caring about Buffy and listening to her. And this is mm-hmm. this this scene is actually really beautiful for a lot of reasons. One, very much what mm-hmm. you just said, we see that Buffy is growing as a slayer and as a character, and she's seeing that she is putting her friends in danger that already know, and she doesn't want to continue that with Owen, who will absolutely die the next time they go out. Um so, so Buffy's showing a lot of inner strength here, and um, we see her growing, we see Giles growing, and we see their connection growing. And Giles and Buffy are very much a team, and they don't need to be at odds for everything when they have this understanding of where each other are coming from in terms of their responsibility. This is one of the first times in, well, not the one of the first times, but this is a time where we definitely see Buffy making the choice to lean into her destiny rather than making the effort that she did the whole episode to just have a normal life and go on a date. Uh, Oh, I want to make a parallel to Buffy's mom, because remember three episodes ago, she was saying that she was listening to parenting cassettes to learn how to parent Buffy. Well, here's Giles sitting, spending time with Buffy and listening to her. And he's actually starting to empathize with her and what she's struggling with, what her pains are. And at the end of this episode, episode five, it seems like they are reaching a very mutual understanding he he's totally taking on this surrogate father role right and i Mm -hmm. suspect that's why buffy's father was written out of the picture for the tv series was they knew they wanted to make giles into this father figure and obviously it'd be a little harder if you had a father hanging around the house so goodbye buffy's real dad hello giles buffy's new dad new and improved dad and i'm here for it i like it i like this little i agree it's really great yeah and giles is growing on me yeah, so I agree. It's a good scene, and I love how it ends where Buffy's just like, oh, well, you know, at least we beat the anointed one. How hard was that? Yeah, and the Giles prophecy like, did yes, come true. We foiled the master. I bet he's having a really bad day. And then, of course, the show cuts to the master, and what is he doing? <laughs> he's quoting the prophecy again because we see that there's the little boy from the bus, and he is... The anointed one so it wasn't dun, the creature dun, guy dun. it was this little boy and that's uh that adds a creepy, a creepy little twist to yeah to creepy what child we're be seeing love a creepy child love a creepy doll love anything to do with that stuff <laughs> so i'm into this so who is your hero this episode my hero is for the second episode in a row buffy because she very clearly articulates her needs you know she's like i want to go on a date She's very clear about that. She's very assertive. Like I said earlier, I am on Buffy's side with this. But she makes a lot of tough decisions, right? And she tries to keep Owen out of harm's way. And she ends up breaking things off with him out of this sense of obligation. We just, we see so many sides of Buffy in this episode. We see her less mature sides, her pettier sides with Cordelia. We see her fawning over a boy, but also genuinely caring for him and for Giles and stuff. And of course, she kicks muscly vampire butt. And, you know, that's always fun, too. I'm I'm with you. I picked Buffy. You know, like we said earlier, there's a lot of men 
in the last five episodes that are trying to steer her ship. They're trying to tell her what to do. They do tell her what to do. And they're there to give her advice and to give her information. But in the end of this episode, it is Buffy who makes the mature decision for herself that involves sacrifice. And she does it with grace. And I think that's really, really nice to see. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the end of this episode. Like, I actually really like this episode. Oh, yeah. I want to say this is probably my favorite episode. Well, no, sorry. This is definitely my favorite episode of season one so far, including the first episode. I I think this is the first time the show has really hit its stride and it's figured out kind of the formula that works for it in terms of how do we balance the high school plot with the vampire killing plot, you know? And like the previous episode, we kind of saw that happening with the bug monster (laughs) luring the kids from the high school and stuff. It didn't quite work. But in this episode, you know, we've really started to touch on themes that are going to be so important to this whole series. Buffy trying to balance Slayer life and teenager life. We saw that hinted at in the very first episode. Mm -hmm. But of course, they didn't really have the time to explore it. This episode does that in such a sensitive way, but with so much grace and so much humor. It also really reminds us that there is a season story arc here with the master because we haven't seen him since episode two and now it's like oh he's back and not only is he back but it sounds like his next evil plot is actually working (laughs) and buffy has no idea so i just i love this episode this is one of the best episodes of season one there's a couple more coming up that are really good as well but this is the first episode since the premiere that shows the potential of this series like, it's so good. Like, I think this episode holds up compared to some of the episodes from later seasons. So I cannot wait to see more episodes like this. I, I agree. When you said that this is them starting to hit their stride, I think that's that's what it is. It's like, we're starting to see all, all of these characters, even Xander. They're starting to get fleshed out a little bit more well, for us. And let's put it this way. This is another good entry point into the series. Like, let's say you were watching this for the first time on TV, so you missed the the first couple of episodes. If you turned on the TV and episode five was airing, you could get into this series from this episode. Like, yes, you've missed a little bit of the backstory, but there's enough going on here. You know, they remind us who the master is and that kind of thing. And you could show somebody who's never seen Buffy this this just this, just this episode and they could sit through it and enjoy it without knowing anything else about the series and i always enjoy episodes like that i like episodes that can stand on their own um without requiring a deep extensive background knowledge of the show maybe because buffy was a mid-season replacer and i'm sure with every episode of season one they gained more and more viewers Mm -hmm. so by episode five i mean even at the beginning you see the master give a bit of his exposition and we see a little bit Mm -hmm. more of that setup and maybe that that is what this episode was doing was like hello new viewers here's a little Mm -hmm. mini catch-up and here's what this series is gonna bring to you and i think that's really satisfying yeah if you joined buffy during the previous episode, Teacher's Pet, you would think oh, that God. she's just this weird girl who hunts horny she mantises. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a much better starting point. Yes, it is. And I'm not going to lie. I think the love intrigue 
Because let's not forget, like, yes, they're teenagers, but this was premiering on the WB, which was geared toward younger mm-hmm. audiences. So I think when you do add that, like, that love triangle aspect to it, the the romance to it, I think that adds a little bit more. Yeah. All right. All right. So this was fun. Uh, on to episode six. Sounds good. Can't wait. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you've got some comments, message us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.